Hi everyone, you're listening to Love Notes. My name is Iona and today I have a really special guest um, on the show and her name is Audrey and she's from My Wing Woman. So she's a dating relationship coach and I thought I'd get on the show to talk about the three-month curse, also what I call uh, relationship probation. Hi Audrey. Hi, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks. I'm so glad we finally got together and sorted all our, all our tech issues. <laughs> it's definitely, it was definitely worth it. So all good. <laughs> we got there in the end. So, Audrey, tell us about the three-month curse. Yeah, well, look, I think anyone who's had a few relationships has probably at some point experienced the dreaded, what I call the dreaded three-month curse, which is... That thing where when you're in a relationship that's going really well, in fact, the three-month curse only really affects relationships that have that seem to be doing quite well up until the three-month mark. You feel like you're in this great, new, committed relationship with someone and then suddenly around that 12-week mark, it ends really suddenly. Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, clients of mine come in and say, you know, what happened? He was so keen on me in the first three months, and then all of a sudden he just start pull, started pulling away, and they have no idea what they did wrong. Yeah, and absolutely, and there can be such a large variety of different reasons, but there's kind of three things that I've found um, to be quite common and quite easy for a lot of people to, um, to I guess, fall victim to. Yeah, and so what are the... about avoiding overestimating his level of commitment. So it can be really easy, actually, to overestimate how committed someone is to you early on and things are going really well. And often one thing that men do, um, because they can be so in the moment and they don't overanalyze quite as much as women, is sometimes when he's been enjoying that time, he might say things... I say certain things that cause you to massively overestimate how invested he really is in the relationship. So it could be that, for example, a couple months in, he starts talking about, you know, even if it's a flirty comment about your wedding one day or he might more seriously start talking about holiday plans for sort of 12 months' time. And these are things that you can quite easily mistake to mean that he's suddenly shot right up there in his level of, of emotional investment in the relationship when really these things can just be indicative that he's having a great time in that moment um, and, and he's just expressing how he feels. And it's so funny because, you know, especially in a relationship, we never want, we never want to hear the bad things. So we only pick up what we want to hear and, you know, when it's a good thing and when he's telling us all this, it's kind of amplified, especially in the beginning of the relationship when you're just so excited. Yeah, definitely. And it's, and it's, a, it's a natural thing to take these sorts of comments at, their, at face value and no one wants to step back and think, well, hang on, it's only been eight weeks and he's saying these amazing things. Maybe it's, maybe he's not completely in touch with, you know, exactly how he's feeling and he's just swept up in the, 
you know, the early sort of honeymoon phase, just as I am. Yeah. And really it's why that becomes a bit of a problem is that we can drastically increase our level of emotional investment to match his supposed level. And then I've seen it multiple times where, you know, our world can come crumbling down when we realise that he's actually not at the level we thought he was and we feel a little bit betrayed. Yeah. So you're saying, you know, be a realist about it. Yeah, I think it's the, the best thing to do is um, keep reminding yourself in that first kind of six to 12 months even of the relationship and certainly in the first three months that it is a really, it's still a new relationship. And what I say to uh, my clients that I coach is that consistent actions over a longer period of time will, will speak far louder than words when you're starting to, to really get to know someone. So if someone's saying amazing things to you in the first, you know, six weeks that you've known him, it doesn't mean that he doesn't mean it in that moment. It just means that you still need to tread carefully and remember that it's still new and over time watch his actions, not just his words. Yeah. Okay. And what's the second thing? So the second thing's a really tricky one because I've, I'd be surprised if not every one of your listeners has, has fallen victim to this because I know I have at some point and I see it all the time, which is it's about keeping your paranoia in check. So really this is where after a few weeks of dating someone you really like, there's always this tipping point where you start to worry more about what you have to lose than what you have to gain in the relationship. So in other words, as you start to get that sort of emotional investment um, peaking after the first few amazing weeks, sometimes fear can start to take hold and fear really can lead to a level of paranoia that makes us do things that we probably shouldn't do. Yep. And how do you manage that fear? Look, it's a difficult it's a difficult thing because it can come out in so many different ways and whether it be um, an outburst or whether you start controlling him through questioning or looking for little pieces of reassurance that, that kind of aren't attractive when you're getting to know someone and, and you, you really want to feel like um, someone trusts you until you, you're giving them any reason not to. But what I say to people is it's important to, if you're, if you're having those feelings of paranoia, write, write some stuff down and just question, really critically evaluate, is this something that he did in the first few weeks or has something changed? And when in doubt, talk to some trusted friends about what's bothering you and, and give them permission to give you some genuine feedback because often when we get this way in a new relationship, it can be a bit of a pattern. It's something that um, we can be potentially a bit partial to. And I always say give some trusted friends and family permission to, to give you some honest feedback. Um, and they, they should be able to tell you whether you are being paranoid or, or whether or not you, from the sounds of it, you've got some legitimate reasons for concern. It's so funny because uh, you mentioned fear and a lot of my clients have this where it will be activated if they've been seeing a guy for like, you know, one or two months and all of a sudden they didn't text them that day and they get paranoid and it, exactly. it kind of breeds and then they get so paranoid that they try to control the relationship. Um, you know, they act in ways that they didn't when they were in the beginning of the relationship and all of a sudden like the guy will is dating someone else that he doesn't recognize and he pulls away. 
Exactly. And it's it's ironic, isn't it? Because that behaviour you you thought was going to make the situation better um, actually ends up leading to the deterioration of the relationship. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, I know that you know, other advice out there says, you know, to tame that fear um, to date other people. How do you feel about that? I'm sorry, but to tame the fear to date other people yeah. in terms of move on. No, no. So more like, you know, if you're only dating, it's a theory that if you're only dating one guy, then, you know, you're going to constantly obsess and, you know, um, you know, worry if he's going to feel the same way. But if you kind of, you know, spread the love and date multiple people, then you're less inclined to feel that, um, you know, that he's your only option. Yeah. So I have some very specific feedback on that on that point, which is what I usually say to women is that if you're wanting an exclusive monogamous relationship, you should wait until you have one before you start to become intimate with someone. So assuming that you haven't hit that phase where you, you know, you've had sex with someone and you're in a committed relationship. If you assume that it's previous to that and you're just in the first few weeks and maybe you've had a few dates, I'm definitely a big advocate of continuing to see other people because I think that does take the pressure off. And women women are wired towards um, quality when it comes to relationships. Men are wired towards quantity. So it's natural for a woman to want to, you know, batten down the hatches as soon as they meet a new guy and, you know, turn off Bumble, cancel all their dating accounts yeah. um, and just basically just, just kind of focusing on this one guy. But absolutely, if you're pre that point where you're in this committed monogamous relationship and you've had the conversation, then absolutely um, there is nothing wrong with continuing to date other, other people. The chances are he is as well. Yeah. I always say to my clients, you know, don't assume that you've got exclusivity until you guys have both agreed upon it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another, that's almost a fourth thing that's relevant to this topic actually um, around the, the exclusivity conversation because that equally, if you don't have that and you do move to sexual intimacy before having a really clear exclusivity conversation i've seen it so many times where the relationship deteriorates drastically where um you feel betrayed because you find out he's not ready to to be exclusive and and when in fact if you haven't had the conversation he in his mind feels like he hasn't promised you that so don't be afraid um to have the conversation yeah i think uh, it's the same with my clients they, um, a lot of them are just, they know what they want, but they're afraid to ask for it because they feel like, you know, it may be too early in the relationship or, you know, if they express what they really want, the guy will run away, but you know, the right guy will not run away. Definitely. And I think that, you know, it's a complete myth that, um, especially if you're looking for, you know, a long-term partner and you're not dating someone at the age of 18, if you're talking about a more mature relationship, someone in their, you know, mid twenties and above, then men will wait. They will absolutely wait for someone that they're really interested in if he wants the same things. If he's not looking for the same things, then um, you're probably you're probably best to move on anyway. So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. I mean, like, men have just as difficulty finding, like, good women. So when they find one, they, they'll wait. They'll, they'll have the patience. Definitely. Absolutely. 
So that's almost, we've almost covered a fourth thing, okay. <laughs> which is absolutely, you know, having the exclusivity conversation before you move towards intimacy. Yeah. Um, but the third thing that I wanted to, to mention when it comes to beating a three-month curse is about maintaining your independence, which is kind of related to one of the previous topics we were talking about, um, which is the paranoia that leads to sort of neediness. But maintaining independence is so important and it's it's the easiest thing to, to start to drop off when things are going really well and you're mutually wanting to spend more and more time with each other. And it's not just you that's sort of asking for more time, but he's actually proactively, you know, making more time for you. So you can both be really guilty of it, but it's really important that you do actually actively pull back a little bit and maintain the things that make you you. And why do you, why do you think that is? I think in a new relationship, it takes a long time before you get to the point where the relationship doesn't need um, oxygen, that sort of time apart, I call that oxygen, to survive. Because yeah. I feel like um, when we meet a new person, it's actually their independence and, them, and seeing them as a separate, well-rounded individual that makes them really sexy and attractive. And I think if we rush the, actually what is one of the yummiest phases of the relationship where we still see each other as kind of two separate people, we haven't completely meshed our lives together yet. If you rush that, then subconsciously it's very easy for one or both parties to either feel it's coming too easily or they might get freaked out or, you know, that you're starting to lose the mystery intrigue about the other person. And that, that doesn't mean that you need to completely, you know, avoid spending too much time or kind of saying no to a second night together or you know, um, turning him down when he asks you out, things like that. You don't need to go to that extent. Just make sure you are maintaining those things that are that, that make you you, and not starting to mesh your life your life with his super quickly. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Esther Perel, the psycho, she's a psychotherapist, and she studies couples and talks about what yeah. it what it is that make. Um, that makes relationship last. And she said, you know, we nowadays, we expect to get every, our partner to be everything to us, to be, you know, someone close, but someone far to offer comfort and safety, but to offer mystery. And she says that, you know, a lot of couples get into ruts because, um, they're, they're codependent. And what's, what they find most attractive in a partner is, you know, when they're in a room and they're away, or, you know, they're doing something else that doesn't involve them. So when they're looking at a partner from afar, that's when they find their partner most attractive. And I think that relates back to exactly what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't – and I think she also says that um, – yeah, she, she absolutely says that and she talks about how, you know, people almost – non-religious people in the, in the sort of modern dating era um, almost treat finding a relationship like a – like a religion of sorts and they're expecting to get a lot from this relationship and if you put too much um emphasis on on the relationship and not um yourself and not maintaining some of the things that i guess are interesting or you know accomplished about yourself and the chances are your new partner this person that you've only been seeing for a few weeks 
um, will will start to lose interest quite uh, quite rapidly. And I think that idea of maintaining a level of independence is, is still valid um, well into the relationship, 10 years into the relationship. It's actually one of the best signs that you've got a healthy relationship if you can spend time apart and be okay with that and be be sort of, you know, still in love and still trusting each other and um, that old sort of saying about absence makes the heart grow fonder I think could not be more true. Yeah, I mean, I've only been married for a year and a bit, but I still love my alone time. Every month I go and get my lashes and then I go get my Korean food by myself <laughs> and, and I'm away for the day and it's just so nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you, if it, it, I, I'm exactly the same. I've been with my partner for a number of years, and you know that time when you've got that time for you, actually allows you to then be back with that person and be, you know, and and be a healthier version of yourself. So, I think it's actually one of the signs of a really unhealthy relationship if you can't have time apart and there's any kind of level of anxiety when you're away from the other person. But I do think that when it's a new relationship and you're leading up to that sort of three-month mark, it's more natural for you to feel a little bit uneasy when you are apart because you you know that it's new, you know that it's fragile um, and you desperately sometimes want it to survive that, you know, well past the three months. Yeah. And when you're desperate for it to survive, you can start behaving in ways that are a little bit more clingy, a little bit you know, certainly more codependent um, and ultimately less attractive to the other person. Yeah, one of the exercises, so when um, my clients, when this comes up from one of my clients, I always tell them, go back to month one to, from, to when you just met and, you know, have a look at the woman you were. Were you anxious? Were you playful? Were things easy? And 99% of the time they'll say that they've become this other person. And you yeah. have to remember that the guy dated you know, the version of you from month one, not month three. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a long time. I think this is not to say that it's not okay eventually one day to um, mesh your lives fully together and kind of, you know, become a really committed couple and perhaps lose the level of independence that you started with. But you you definitely want to take it slow. And I say um, take little steps towards each other, not those big leaps. So how often do you think people should be seeing each other at the beginning of the relationship? Say month month one to three. I think it depends on the – I think it depends on a number of different things. I think that um, there's no right or wrong, but I think if you've had a really intense – like let's say the first week you meet someone, and I've heard of people going on, you know, first and second dates being a number of hours in length and – you know, you feel like you really get to know the person. Uh, my view is like frequent short dates in the first few weeks is the best way to go because you don't want to overdo it in any individual um, date with someone. I think you want to leave them constantly wanting more. And then when you get over that point where you've actually, you know, you feel like you know them, you feel like you're, you know, you're properly dating. Um, I think you just want to evaluate that you're not um, you're not subconsciously or consciously cutting things out of your life to fit them in before they've made um, more of a commitment towards you. So, for example, if you're you know finding yourself cancelling your Sunday morning yoga class because that's the only morning that 
um, he can catch up with you that weekend. Don't do that. He like that's he hasn't earned that yet. It's still a new relationship. Like find some other times to catch up, but don't start kind of eating away your independence to make room for this this very new relationship. I love that. Okay, so let's um we've gone through quite a bit. So let's sum up the three you know three things to break the three month curse. Yeah, absolutely. And then there was the kind of bonus fourth thing, which we ended right. up talking about. But I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll summarize. So the three things to be, I guess, a little bit wary of and to remember is avoiding overestimating his level of commitment. So don't take some of those like grandiose statements too seriously that he might make in the first few weeks. Secondly, keep your paranoia in check, and when necessary, recruit a you know a trusted friend or family member to give you that feedback on whether or not that you're having rational thoughts and feelings or not um, and maintain your level of independence um, as we've just talked about. And the fourth thing was um, if you're looking for an exclusive monogamous relationship, make sure you do have the discussion um, about um, that being required before you move towards sexual intimacy to avoid feeling betrayed um, and and ultimately the relationship um, crumbling uh, prematurely. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, this has been so much fun. We'll have to have yeah, you back on the show. Yeah, awesome to talk to you, Iona. Yeah, well, we'll have you back on the show. And, guys, if you're listening and you have any questions for Audrey and I, you can just send it. Um, how do people get a hold of you? The best, well, probably the best way is to go to mywingwoman.com.au. Okay. Awesome. And my cool. And who do you work with? So I work with um, single men and women of all ages. My youngest clients being as young as 20 and my oldest clients being in their 70s. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but I'm Melbourne-based and would happily work with um, any of your listeners that are, that are in Melbourne. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Audrey. Thanks, Iona. Okay, 